Talking But Talk is Jericho. It is the pot of thunder and rock and roll. And today we are rocking for Ukraine with Talk is Jericho alumni and Twisted Sister frontman. My friend Dee Snyder is here. Dean returns to tell us all about the organization he helped create called WorldUnited.Live. It's an organization focused on not only helping the people of Ukraine during this devastating Russian war, but also trying to speak to the people of Russia to let them know what's really going on. D and WorldUnited.Live launched the Trusted Messenger program to get musicians, celebrities, and athletes to record and post messages directed at the people of Russia. Arnold Schwarzenegger has already done one. I've done one. D's done one. Richard Marks, a whole lot of people. And both D and I have family that comes from the Ukraine. You'll hear our personal stories and connections to the country. I basically grew up uh, in the Ukrainian household. You'll also hear about uh, WorldUnited.Live's plans for a mass protest, peaceful, and a future benefit concert. You'll find out how you can help as well. D Snyder is coming up on this very, very important cause. It's a very interesting show. Uh, also very cool and interesting is Fozzie Save the World Tour. We're stopping in New Haven, Connecticut. We'll be there tomorrow night, April 7th at Toad's Place. I'm very excited. Um, I remember having a DVD of Paul Stanley's solo concert at Toad's Place from like 1989. We're going to be there tomorrow night, April 7th. Tour's been a blast so far. Having a great time uh, with all you guys that came to see out, that came to saw the sh- shows in Detroit, Green Bay, uh, New Haven, uh, Aurora, Illinois was crazy. What a nice venue that was, the Piazza, and also, of course, Kansasville, just outside of Milwaukee. We put together a great package for you. Crash Karma is off the charts. They're a two-piece band that'll blow your mind. And GFM, who you're going to hear from next week right here in Talk is Jericho, three sisters, uh, teenagers, or their early 20s, uh, dress up as zombie cheerleaders and just play some killer rock and roll uh, Christian-based. What a great band they are. The package is killer. You're going to love it, so come early, stay late. Uh, Portland, Maine at the Aura on April 8th. April 9th, Hampton Beach at Wally's. That one's going to be jam-packed. Uh, April 10th, Providence, Rhode Island at the Feet Ballroom. And April 11th, a very special show in New York at the Gramercy Theater. We are doing our gold record presentation uh, ceremony for Judas. It's going to be huge, and we wanted to uh, we wanted to share it with the people of New York City. It's always been a great city for us, for Fozzie. So come down to the Gramercy. You're going to see a great rock and roll show, and you're going to see us get presented with our first ever gold record for Judas. Very proud about that. So many other dates coming up. Asbury Park, New Jersey. Stroudsburg, Pennsylvania. Wilmington, Delaware. Poughkeepsie, New York. Leesburg, Virginia. That's for the 14th to the 18th. So many more gigs. Go to Fozzie Rock. Dot com and check all the gigs out and also check out the VIP meet and greets. Um, some of those have sold out. There's still some remaining. We have a lot of fun with that. We play a five-set mini concert for you. We uh, hang out, do a little Q&A with you, sign whatever you want, take some pictures. It's the best meet and greet in the business. I really believe that. So go to FozzyRock.com for all ticket and VIP information. And Fozzy will also be playing multiple sets on Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea, the Four Leaf Clover. Book your cabin now at chrisjerichocruise.com. We're setting sail February 2nd. Got a killer lineup of talent. We're going out in 2023 to Grand Stirrup K, our own private island. Uh, I think 12 of the uh, decks are already sold out. There's only about 10 uh, parts of 10 decks remaining. So go check that out. Get all the details at chrisjerichocruise.com. All right, let's go. It's worldunited.live with D. Snyder taking a stand for the Ukraine, which has more than one meeting. Trust me, hearing all about it right here. Right now, Talk is Jericho with D. Snyder. So a few weeks ago, I talked to D. Snyder, who's been a guest on Talk is Jericho quite a few times, about the Great White Station fire. And then I must have been in your head because a few weeks after that, suddenly in the midst of all the Russian attack on the Ukraine... I get a couple messages from D. I think we've had each other's number, phone numbers for for years, but suddenly, you know, the way that we connect now is via Twitter and DMs and all this stuff. And I didn't see the DM that you sent me, but you actually put out a tweet saying, "Hey, everybody, tell Chris Jericho to get back with me to t- for this." And I was like, "Dude, you got my number." <laughs> I've been chasing celebrities, uh, high-powered celebrities, and you fall into that category by today's. And certainly, I'm not I'm trivializing you at all, but. There's, it, there's two components to celebrity in the 2000s and the 2020s and you know and beyond. And one is fame, recognizability, and, and a legacy, 
whether it's musical or in your case, wrestling, or you've got musical as well. But also now it's outreach. It's social media outreach. Yeah. And I've been campaigning for this organization called WorldUnited.Live uh, for a few weeks now. And initially I was like reaching out to some people and it became very evident that you would think like Robert Plant or, or Brian Johnson would be great, ACDC, great uh, people to, to get to. They've got very little social media footprint. And, you know, we're just kind of jumping ahead. But the focus of phase one of WorldUnited.Live is to reach Russian people with truth from the people they admire, from heroes that they respect and look up to, uh, since a lot of stuff is being blocked. Putin is blocking a lot of social media, but he can't block every URL. So we get a Chris Jericho with 5 million Twitter followers, and then whatever you got on Facebook and whatever else, there's a really good chance that it's going to seep in. Mm-hmm. And we had incredible effectiveness with this strategy with Arnold Schwarzenegger. The organization had just started up, and I was spending the weekend with Arnold at uh, the Arnold Sports Festival in Ohio. He invited me to be his guest, which was just, <laughs> just forget about it, especially. First of all, don't, don't just jump over that. I think it's pretty cool that Dee Snyder and Arnold Schwarzenegger are hanging out together. I mean, that's kind of a clash of 80s icons right there. Hey, first of all, I wasn't going to jump over it. I was going to follow in a minute. So the album Stay Hungry, I told this to Arnold. I read the book, Arnold, The Education of a Bodybuilder, his first book, 1977 or 78. And I'm this scrawny, cross-dressing, struggling, I'm a twisted sister. <laughs> you wouldn't think that I would, my brother turned me onto the book. And if anybody's read it or hasn't read it, it's part autobiographical, but the other part is motivational. Arnold's a very big motivator and his whole stay hungry philosophy and his whole life philosophy was in there. And it lit me up. This is Twisted Sisters 78. You know, I'm headed into another, what took another two, almost six, seven years until the band broke. That stay hungry philosophy, that whole Arnold speak just drove me on. And when we wrote, I wrote the album Stay Hungry, it was inspired by Arnold's speak. Oh. The album, it says on the album, dedicated to Arnold Schwarzenegger. He just found out six months ago. All right. (laughs) I'm thinking, I'm going, why isn't he like, and I sang at his rally. I thought he got it back then. Uh, He was using, we're not going to take it when he was running for governor. And I explained it to him at that point. But I remember being in Sacramento and it was kind of pandemonium. It was like press everywhere. And I was trying to talk to him. And he was, it was a night before the election. He was clearly, he was scattered. So he finally got the message and invited me to come out for the sports festival, asked if maybe I'd play a few songs. Yeah, I presented with an 8 million sales disc for sales of Stay Hungry. And I talked to, I told this story to his audience, and it was just amazing. He was right there in the front row, and he's, we spent the whole weekend. We had dinner. We, we spent a lot of time. And during that time, this organization was coming together, and my people were saying, talk to Arnold. Tell him if he could just send a message, it would mean so much. And I said, man, this is really, I'm I'm just connecting with this guy. and I I don't want to blow him up with this information. But over the weekend, we were spending enough time together comfortably where I felt we started talking about the Ukraine. And I told him what we wanted to do. Get, we call them trusted messengers to Talk to the Russian people directly. Tell them they're misinformed. Tell them they're not getting the right information. We, Because we know that historically, again, people believe they're heroes quicker than they'll believe media or politicians. Right. They'll throw them out the window. But if someone they, that they respect, like you, Chris, and I'm not blowing smoke here, say, hey, man, this is a fact. If you're a true fan of Chris, it's going to mean more to you than some politician saying it to you. So I told Arnold, and Arnold said, yes, I'll do a message. We sent him the outline of the script. He did it on his own. Uh, he went a little bit off script, fine, no complaints. <laughs> 50 million or more views later, he declared a, an enemy of the state in Russia. Wow. They've been forced to talk about his video on the mainstream media. They're denouncing him, but the fact that they're acknowledging it, and it was a headline of the, a USA Today was saying, that Arnold Schwarzenegger and like subversive 
internet stuff like this is actually getting through to the Russian people, and they're starting to become aware of what their president, premier, whatever he is, is doing. That's what I've been dealing with. But I'll tell you what, it's, it's just been an incredible uphill struggle. You know, to get a dozen people in two weeks uh, has been surprisingly difficult. That's amazing, too, because when when um, we connected about this, I said, well, what kind of an angle can we come up with? And you sent me a really cool email about some of the things we could discuss today. And you were talking about how it's it's interesting because we, we, we spoke about this on the Great White podcast we did about how hard it is to get people involved, celebrities involved. It was hard to get bands to play for the benefit for the victims of the of the station fire. And you're saying now it's hard to get a dozen people and you have, you know, Schwarzenegger and, and, you know, Richard Marks and Chris Jericho and Dee Snyder. And there's some pretty big names here, but it's still hard to get the dominoes to start falling and push the boulder down the hill type thing. It's still very much pushing the boulder up the hill and up the hill. You know, yeah. I keep, I keep getting tapped for these things. My initial response is I'm not the guy. I'm not Bono. And they go, well, yes, but D you're passionate about it. When it came to Washington, they asked me to go there. And then we, you know, we talked, we talked about that a little bit in that email that this is, is like this people stick their heads in the sand. They talk, they're very big talkers. You know, when they say, uh, yeah, I'm anti censorship and I'm, I support Ukraine. But you say, okay, would you, you know, take a moment to record a message or would you speak out about the censorship going on? Going back to the 80s, the PMRC, very few artists were speaking out. For the most part, everybody just went quiet and laid low, which maybe was the safest approach. To me, it was unconscionable. I mean, to not speak out when your music is being attacked. But when people are you know, casting aspersions upon what you do, how can you not speak up? And, you know, and then when I dealt with the great white situation, again, you know, I was, I'm not the guy who has... Chris says I have his phone number. I don't know if I have his phone number, but I know Chris is doing it. But at the same time, I don't have all these got rock stars' phone numbers. I don't got Tyler. I don't got I'm one degree away from these people, but I've got to reach out to, to the management and say, hey, man, I, I need to talk to Brian Johnson. I don't have Brian's phone number. So mm-hmm. I'm not that rock star. Maybe it's because I'm not been selling enough copies. It maybe it's another there's another like key to the, another door. You're going, to, oh my yeah. God, this is where the cool people are hanging out. <laughs> I don't know. Or uh, maybe it's, I never, I never been to the rainbow. I'm not a rainbow guy. I never hung out and partied and socialized. That's been a plague to me through my career that I've not been a schmoozer. I've been a guy, you know, I'm going home, you know, uh, I don't drink, I don't party, you know, and like, you know, everybody's like, oh yeah, we'll be, we'll, be, we'll see you because we're going to hang out with Steven Tyler. So anyway, I don't know, but I just don't have access to these people and they're just not responding the way that I would hope people would respond because this is dire, this situation. I don't well, even sure know. It is, yeah. It's not censorship. It's not burn victims in Rhode Island. It's a guy who's talking about nuclear alternative here. You're talking about actually using nuclear weapons. We need to act now. And I am struggling to get people to participate. Is it because, you know, in thinking back to the PMRC hearings in the 80s, just because it, it, as a teenager watching this and hearing about it, it was such a, a mixed bag of musicians that showed up. You got Dee Snyder, you got Frank Zappa, you got John Denver. Is that the reason why? Because no one else would come out or were those the three that were chosen or those are just the three that showed up? It's the one question that I would really love to know the answer to, quite honestly. I'm asking it a lot. My manager said, we got a call. They want to know if you'll testify. And I was like, yes, I'm going in. I'm taking the flag. I'm like Eddie in the, you know, the cover of the Iron Maiden, you know. <laughs> That's true, yeah. Like, you know, and I, but in my mind, like the armies, the legions of, of SMFs and, and metalheads and rockers will be standing behind me. And I got there and I turned around and there was nobody there. There was nobody there. I mean, me and, when we, fr- we arrived, we found out that the then called RIAA, they've changed their name. They had already agreed to a sticker, warning parental advisory, agreed before Frank, me, and John opened our mouths. Wow. And Frank and I were backstage. Backstage, It was, a, it was an office. <laughs> but we were like, why are we here? We came to, to, you know, to represent our side, testify, and our own people have already agreed to a variation of the sticker that, that, that the PMRC wanted. It was incredibly frustrating. 
So I don't know how Frank got the call. I don't know how John Denver got the call. But you want to talk about an odd power trio. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> what do you do with that? <laughs> right. <laughs> there's, a, there's a jam session for you I'd like to see. <laughs> So why do you think, though, D, you know, we, we could transfer that to in all the situations, once again, from from the PMRC to the Great White. But like you said, now you're talking about possible nuclear situations. Why are people so why are celebrities so reticent to throw the flag down and get involved? I don't have the answer. And but again, on the frustration level, we're all doing cameos. I'm asking for a cameo. Yeah. <laughs> I'm asking for what they're doing for $75, $200, like multiple a day. And then they're like, all right, could you just do one where you talk to the Russian people and tell them that Mr. Putin, yeah, I can't fit that in. Can't fit that in in my cameo schedule. I don't understand. I, I One thing I suspect, think, is that in order for people to get really involved, it needs to have a cool factor. Yeah. And unfortunately, and you know, and I, I like, to, I know I'm cool, but I'm not Bono. I'm not Sting. You know, I think about Bob Geldof. He gives me a little inspiration, actually, because he had one hit. Tell me why I don't like Mondays. It wasn't, it weren't huge boomtown rats. Right. And I, and I actually get a little inspiration from Bob in saying, you know what? He was not the biggest star in the world. He was able to cobble together, you know, a group of people and write a good song. And, and that built into something. So I, I do take uh, a little bit of inspiration, but yeah, it's, it's getting this thing to have a, uh, have a cool factor to it. And we're not near that point yet. I, I would think that, you know, Arnold being involved would certainly next level. Meantime. Okay. <laughs> I've got to meet, go all over the place, but this is how we roll. So I found out something very interesting because now we are building energy. We are building awareness. Really happy now that when you put world united dot live in, it doesn't go to the Man of War page anymore. <laughs> <laughs> Is that what it did at first? <laughs> yeah, for the first two weeks. It would, if you didn't put in WHTTP backslash backslash colon WWW, it went to Man of War because they had an album called Worldwide United, and it was a live album. So it's like, oh, I can't find our page, but I'm scrolling through every, anything and everything I didn't want to know about Man of War. Hey, I'll tell you what, if we, if, we, if we send Man of War and they'll take out Putin with their broadswords. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> Here we go. So, um, so, but now... We are getting, you know, not, not just uh, celebrities, but we're getting organizations who are recognizing what we're doing, appreciating it. We've got this group out of uh, Serbia who, in a peaceful way, are undermining totalitarian governments through social media, through um, peaceful protests, through um, Internet and all sorts of uh, campaigns, but all peaceful. And they're joining ranks with us. And so uh, we had a meeting. I talked to them about our trusted messengers. And they said, first of all, in Russia, it's not the young people, it's the middle-aged people. And they said, if you want to get to those people, get the cast of the Expendables. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what? They go, they love 80s action heroes. Oh, wow. Okay. They're huge. He said, um, Nicolas Cage, Bruce Willis, Sly Stallone, all the, of course, Schwarzenegger, Dolph Lundgren, and on and on and on. He says, they are beloved. And you see the reaction to Schwarzenegger, right? Right. So but now I am working, you know, and I've got like, again, I'm always one degree of separation. So I'm re reaching out to Randy Couture and Dolph Lundgren, Sly's people, uh, everybody, Nicholas Cage's people, Willis's people. I'm just hammering. I got to get to Antonio Banderas. I got to get the whole crew, Mel Gibson. Because <laughs> they love them in Russia. Wow. And hey, if that's who they're paying attention to, if that's who they'll believe, hey, I love those guys too. So that works for me. It works for me, but now I'm really hyper-focusing on those guys. But still, it's a struggle. It's interesting, like you said, too, once you get Arnold involved, I mean, he's the biggest of all those guys. You think it would be a lot easier because yeah, that's Hollywood for you. And that's show business, as you know. Well, who else is doing it? Well, Schwarzenegger's doing it. Well, well, I'm in. You know what I mean? So uh, hopefully that'll help. Yeah, and I think I think that Arnold, I don't have that relationship with Arnold where I can say, hey, Arnold, can you make these calls? Because I've already been told by, you know, by those on the inside, if Arnold 
with the exception of Sly. If Arnold does it, everybody does it. You know, they follow Arnold lead. Sure. But, you know, I can't get Arnold to pick up the phone and, and, and call these guys. So I'm doing it. And, you know, and this, you know, and they're flashing on this scrawny crossdresser. He's calling him up. What is this guy? This is that guy, weird guy. And that's also, I think, I think my legacy actually, you know, dampens my authenticity at times because, you know, like when you get a phone call from Dee Snyder and there's this picture in their mind, you know, a bone and a face full of women's makeup and like the whole time, it's not really lending itself to my sincerity. I don't know if I can trust this guy. He's a lunatic. I'll tell you though, it's it's interesting because when when you asked me to do it, and you and I have a great relationship, and I, I trust your judgment on this, and I know too that you're 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 the real deal. So when when you, you. turned me on to it, I was in. And the thing for me is, and, and we discussed this briefly, but I, I think we can discuss it more now. I'm half Ukrainian. My, my grandparents came from the Ukraine to Canada in the 30s. So I grew up, my mother's maiden name is Kluchuk. I grew up speaking Ukrainian, Ukrainian dancing, Ukrainian. Whoa. Yeah, Ukrainian summer camp, the whole wow. the whole deal. I remember being Ukrainian summer camp it was Ukrainian Catholic and Number of the Beast came out. So it was 1982 being terrified because some of the kids were playing it and the counselors were like, oh yeah, the Antichrist is coming and you're all dead. And we're just like super religious Ukrainian people. But the point being, so when I've been trying to figure out what can I do to try and help, and when you came up with this, I'm like, well, it's a no-brainer to do. And I have another point about that. But first, I want to find out why are you so connected, other than the fact that we should all be connected, but do you have a connection to the Ukraine? I do. And I don't know if that's the reason, maybe. I mean, certainly when I tell you the story, you're going to go, well, you certainly, you know, you're vested. There's a, it's funny, somebody pulled up a picture of me in like 78 brown hair, uh, wearing a, a silver lamé, I don't know, jumpsuit, I don't know what I'm wearing, suspenders, you know, flaming, flaming. And on the on the suspenders, there's a, a big red button that says Russia. Wow. This is 78. Now, my grandfather was Ukrainian. Uh, okay. There and you go. in the early 1900s, they were occupied by Russia. This is, this is a, yeah. this thing with Russia feeling like they've got the right to control the countries and the, and the areas surrounding them. This is nothing new. This is an old playbook for them. My grandfather saw his father shot dead in front of him in the streets. Wow. And um, he escaped Russia and was you know migrated here and was welcomed, which is great. And my Ukrainian last name is Palatnik. It got changed at Ellis Island because my grandfather had a German half-brother who lived in the United States. And we arrived in Ellis Island. If anybody remembers their social studies, it was easier to get in if you had relatives. So they said, write down. They probably said, write down Schneider. Because well, I was in Germany on tour once. And I said, yeah, I'm Schneider. He goes, there is no Schneider, only Schneider. So, uh, <laughs> but, and they probably, which they did on Ellis Island all the time, they misspelled it. And S-N-I-D-E-R is what they wrote down on the sheet. But that's when my, my grandfather's last name changed. He, he came to this country and he just put down his half-brother's last name instead of Polotnik. Better ring than D. Polotnik. I don't know if that would have... <laughs> that's so rock and roll. Or D. Right? I'll shorten it to D. Polot. <laughs> <laughs> so that's the connection there. And, 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 and this is something that's interesting to me because growing up, actually in Saskatchewan, Manitoba, obviously I'm from Winnipeg, about five hours to the east, to the west, sorry, there's, there's Saskatchewan. Yorkton, Saskatchewan is the city where basically all of my relatives live. And it is Ukrainian central to this day. And you've got every Ukrainian last name, Halowatchuk and Dubrovnik. I can't even think of them all. But the point being that these are tough people too. Like going to the Ukrainian wedding where the where the grandfathers in their 80s are still drinking moonshine and doing the Russian dance, as Jack Black would say, <laughs> Russian during during the wedding. And it's like, it does not surprise me at all that the Ukrainians are like, all right, motherfucker, here, here's your M16. Go, yeah, sure, I'll go. It doesn't surprise me because these are very tough, hardworking, salt-of-the-earth people. That's been my experience with Ukrainians my whole life. You know, you're absolutely right. And they've been occupied for many, many years, over the years, many, many times. But they were always very, they held on to their individuality. My grandfather, even though they were now called Russia, it wasn't the Soviet Union. They took over Ukraine, and this is part of Russia. They had a name for it back then, but it was basically like a united thing. And he never 
viewed himself as Russian. It's different, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you see Ukrainian, you, you drive around, you still see Ukrainian this and Ukrainian that. These locations, they're very proud of their heritage. It is so admirable, but they've been down this road before. They've had freedom now for 20 something years yes. in their own country, and they don't want to go back to that. And keep that in mind, D, like you just said freedom for 20 years so throughout the 80s and 90s they were in this situation like you said then they were able to break free and now they're trying to bring it back again so so that's putin's thing is like you guys you don't own your own country it's always been russian russia's and now we're going to take it back so this is something that's been ongoing like you said you know yeah i mean and and so i'm not surprised like you said they're such a strong people, strong-willed people, and to see them digging in the way that I'm seeing, I'm seeing women in uniform with guns, and not that there's anything wrong with that, but they are just people are stepping up, and they've got it's, it's a standstill right now. I mean, the Russians are saying not going anyplace. They plan on going in and out, rolling over them in three days. Yeah, this is another Afghanistan for Russia, and unfortunately, it will destroy the country. But these people would rather die then let russians take over and this is going to go on for a long time because right now the russians aren't backing down that's why this whole idea of getting to the russian people and making them aware they really are in the dark mm-hmm. they really don't know what's going on they're being misinformed and putin can't keep all of us out from social media it seeps in like i said i mean the, the ronald arnold thing's so big they've had to talk about it on Russian uh, national media because they had to denounce it because everybody was hearing it and going, Arnold Schwarzenegger says saying this. And so now they're, they're declaring him an enemy of the state, which is insane. When I posted the, the video on Twitter, I'm going to post it on Facebook as well, but, but I was waiting for, because I think one of the reasons why a lot of people don't want to get involved with celebrities is it's such a, a political climate right now. If you make a stand one side or the other, the other half just deluge of just comments and, 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 and thoughts. And, and this is not a political thing, a U.S. political thing, but I posted it. And I was waiting to see, well, who's going to bury me for posting this? And nobody did. It was very much probably 100 percent positive or close to it. So that to me is like this is not even a political thing at this point. It's we're talking about human rights and freedoms and, and war, which should not have any bearing on politics. And that's confuses me why more people aren't wanting to get involved. There should be certain things that transcend political differences. And we we should be able to unify. I'd like to think that if we were invaded, we would not be split apart any longer and we would be unified. You know, the old, my enemy's enemy is my friend, that we would join together in a, in a common fight. And this is not on our shores yet. And, and hopefully it never will be, but it's certainly pushing up towards us. And, you know, if they get through Ukraine, then they're on the border of Poland and there are NATO armies in there. And if they try to go over those borders and, and, and again, look at the playbook, they controlled Poland for years. Mm-hmm. They controlled those countries. All those, uh, all those countries around there were controlled by the Soviet Union for years. And Putin's made it very clear that he wants this writ the Soviet Union. He wants to put the band back together. He wants the original Soviet Union back together. He wants to be as that superpower. And I do not believe he will stop. And then when he goes over that next border and Poland, they're speaking out because they know they've been down this road. They were the living room for Hitler. When Hitler did his Ukraine move, he just was going to take Poland. And the world sat back and let it happen. They said, oh, it's just Poland. He was, he, if you read his book, it was like it was like stay hungry. He told everything he was going to do. He just went on to the next country and the next country and the next country. People t- didn't take him seriously. He was looking for world domination. This is history repeating itself. And someone said in the news, Putin is the most dangerous person in the history of the world. And at first I went, well, what about Hitler? And then, of course, the response is Hitler didn't have nuclear weapons. Bingo. And if he had them, he would have used them. We just beat him to it. So Putin is definitely the most dangerous person in history. And, and that's something that, that I, I want to point out, too. I don't want people to make a blanket statement about Russians. And it's one of the reasons why we're doing World United Live is we want the Russian people to find out because it's not like the whole country is wanting to do this invasion. It seems to me that Putin and his team or group wants to. But there's a lot of Russian people that are like, 
we don't want to have anything to do with this. We, we don't want to do this. They, they don't, it's, it's not just that, Chris. It's they don't know. They don't know. Exactly. So many soldiers have been captured in the Ukraine and the Ukrainian people are being incredibly kind to them. If you've seen that, they don't know why they're there. Or, you know, the big one is that Putin said that they're getting Nazis in the Ukraine. Nazis from a country with a Jewish president who three of his family members were killed in the Holocaust. But they're getting the Nazis out of Ukraine. So they don't know what's they're being kept in the dark. Soldiers follow orders, you know, move in. And that's what they're doing. So the idea is to inform them because it's working people. You know, all these, 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 these things we're doing that seem kind of cut off this and cut off that. And the oligarchs are putting applying pressure from the top because they're feeling no oligarch is like a very rich person in, in in russia right yeah yeah i don't know what where they came up with that name but i guess it's like a billionaire yeah they are seizing their boats and seizing their properties and see they are prime applying pressure and it's it's financially hurting these very wealthy guys and they don't you know they got billions and they don't want to give up a cent so they're applying pressure from the top now if the people start knowing what's going on and applying pressure from the bottom, hopefully they can get Putin to change his position. Now, unfortunately, I think he's, he's probably going to be taken out, quite honestly, because I can't see the guy giving up power. He's he's refused to leave. He's been up, what, 20 years, 10 years? I don't know how long. It's been, yeah, but he's, he's been, in for life. Yeah, and he's, and he's planning on staying for life. It is having an effect, and this is the way that it can get done. Because if we go to the other way of doing it, actually going to war. I mean, people, you don't, I, mean, I wasn't a history junkie. I was a B student. I'm not a, I'm not a genius. I just appear smart because my peers, you know, it's on a bell curve. My rock star peers are not that right. sharp. <laughs> well, I see it like, oh, this guy's a genius. No, no, I'm just a B student. But um, remember in history, when, when a world war kicks in, they were uh, enlisting, drafting men up to 36 years old. Wow, right. Yes, during World War II, American American males were enlist had to were drafted at up to 36 years old. So my sons will be will be going to war. You know, so it's in yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. yeah. So I mean, it's not like I want to keep my kids out of battle. No, it's just like the reality of just how what can be, just become such an, a horrible mess. And again, now we've got the nuclear option, as they call it, which is insane. Can I ask you a question? Mr. Carico, it's your show. Please do. I when uh, Mick Foley uh, was kind enough to do a, a trusted messenger, uh, Chris Jericho, trusted marriage me- uh, messenger. Sorry, both of you said something that shocked me. Uh, you both said I've never been to Russia or never wrestled in Russia. Why is that? I would think Russia would be a place to go. The, I think on all the years that I've been wrestling, and I wrestled twenty years in WWE, which is WWF as well. I think there was one tour of russia that i can recall and i wasn't on it i just don't think russia is very popular or uh, wrestling is very popular over there but that's never stopped us we've been to a lot of countries where wrestling is not very popular brazil and finland and uh, sweden and those type of places wrestling is not the biggest either but for whatever reason russia never worked out for both wrestling and for fozzy as well we've never been to russia with the band which is also strange because they're, I, and I'm sure you've been many times, they're a very rock and roll country. Yeah. And you think they'd be very open to wrestling as well, but it just never, never uh, had the opportunity. Yeah. And I would think Vince McMahon, once that country opened up, he would just say, sure. there's gold in them, our hills, you know, and he would have been <laughs> down there and just jamming it down people's throats because we've jammed football down people's throats. We've jammed everything down people's throats, you know? So anyway, I was just surprised about that. Now, did you watch my, um, and there's no wrong answer, Chris. You didn't have to watch my message. I didn't watch yours. Yeah. People don't know. It's very inter- interesting. I think it's very interesting because it blows my freaking mind. I wrote a book in the 80s called Teenage Survival Guide. I had no idea. I did watch yours. I, I, yes, the Teenage Survival Guide. I had a dispute with Doubleday. They didn't. They, they started printing books before I finished my final edit. And I was really upset. The book came out. I wouldn't promote it, wouldn't do anything. And it wound up being reviewed positively by every everything from Rolling Stone to Psychology Today said it was the best book on growing up ever written. And I realized I made a mistake by not promoting it because even though it was only 80% of what I wanted, I realized every other book at that point was written by psychiatrists, teachers, priests, doctors. My book was written like your big brother or your crazy uncle 
was just talking straight to you. Right. So I was a teenage survival guy. Cut to late 80s. It was late 80s. One was Glass now. So that was late, late 80s, early, early 90s, right? Late yeah, 90s. yeah, yeah, yeah. A friend of mine's brother went to an, an exchange program to a Soviet college. Came back and said, D, it was my manager's uh, assistant, said, they're using your book as a textbook Jeez. over there. And I was like, what are you kidding me? But the guy was, I, he says, no, I'm, I'm serious. They got your book. They're using it as a textbook. Then I find out that the only Soviet teen magazine is releasing chapters of my book in installments every month. Jeez. So the only teen magazine has got D. Snyder's Teenage Survival Guide. You know, this is this is the Soviet, this is the black market. There's no rock and roll scene yet there. Mm-hmm. The wall comes down. I get contacted. We want to release your book officially in hardcover in Russian. So we do a deal, some rubles or whatever. Comes out. And, you know, and, and no picture of me on it. Just some swinging cats on the cover. It's like the weirdest, you know, like jazzy pictures, like. They're like dancing and finger pointing. <laughs> and then, and this is the truth. I'm not making this up, people. The uh, Moscow Times wants to interview me. Now, this is the early 90s. I'm out with Widowmaker on tour. And I say, I say, what's going on? They go, how's it feel to know that every Russian child has to read your book? And I was like, what? They go, it is standard reading in the school systems of Russia. Wow. Decider's Teenage Survival Guide. <laughs> And I said, well, this is a mind fucking my, my, my Ukrainian grandfather's spinning on a rotisserie thing in his brain. Like, what's going on? So I realized that we're targeting these kids and they all read my book. They all, and that was my angle in my trusted messenger. I said, you know, forget these side of Rockstar. I'm the guy who wrote the book. And you like that book because I was very honest and I was very straightforward about everything from sex to death to to bullying, to everything in the world, social diseases. I just talk straight from the heart. I didn't hide anything. You know, we we live. We have our hearts on our sleeve, people like you and me. And uh, yeah. I said, I'm not lying to you. This, I'm the guy who wrote the book you grew up on. So, yeah, I still never went over on a book signing tour over there. I would like to do that sometime. Was Twisted Sister, did you have a name value? Did you ever tour Russia with the bands? We went to Russia after we reformed. Nobody was doing it uh, before Glasnost. And then right. when we were united, we went there. And, you know, this is something that I wish everybody, if you want to make the world a better place, the governments of the country, and I'm saying Canadian government, U.S. government, should give everybody free trips to foreign countries. When they're in high school, when they're in college, people need to see other people. We live in our our own little world and we don't trust anything on the outside. You've traveled. I've traveled. It gives you a whole different perspective when you see people as regular people. When you go to Russia and I got my Russia, you kill my grandfather's, my great grandfather, you know, and you go there and you just see these are not animals. These are regular people living lives, trying to do the best they can. They're they're at the mercy of their government, just like we all are. Uh, We're lucky enough to be in a free society, but it's, we're still at mercy and uh, certainly, you know, the rules that are laid out and everybody's just trying to get by. That's why I love that Anthony Bourdain show, you know, to see him go to these countries and sit down and have a meal. You suddenly saw these people just as people. Yeah, they, they weren't so mysterious anymore. They weren't so dangerous. They didn't seem the Middle Eastern people didn't seem dangerous. They just seemed like a dad and a kids, and they're just trying to get by. You know? No, you're totally right because I've, I've wrestled a few times in Saudi Arabia and in Jeddah and Riyadh, and you know it's 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 weird. It's definitely the most un-American country I've ever been to. As far as, you know, you go to Japan, it's very Americanized and Western China has that element too. But but you go to, to Saudi Arabia, you realize you're a long way from home. But when you go and see, you know, a guy, I mean, I'll never forget, we were in the hotel. It's such a random thing, but it was a guy and his wife with the baby in the stroller and the guy had a Domino's pizza. And I was like, it's just the family that went and got pizza. Dude, right, right. You know what I mean? Like, we're all the same, right? You probably have the- the burka on, she was probably yes. covered. The whole thing, all this stuff that put like, the headdress, and you go, yeah, they're, they're, they're the Middle Eastern. What is that? Is that Domino's Pizza? Yeah. <laughs> they, they like Kentucky Fried Chicken, too? Yeah. No, I like Kentucky Fried Chicken. <laughs> um, I, uh, just, just as a quick segue, I asked my cousin, uh, Chad and Brittany, who still live in Yorkton, I said, 
Give me some names of some people you know in Yorkton, Ukrainian last names. Here's what they sent back in the five minutes since I asked them. Dobko, Stasician, Mozalowski, Ukrainitz, Popovich, Federich, Boris, Lupachuk, Lasinski, Lasician, Ivan Ochko, Banerik, Kondra, Kowalowicz, Ostapowicz, Tomaszewski. It's like, these are, that's the Ukrainian right there. Yorkton, Saskatchewan. And not a Jericho or Snyder in sight. <laughs> not, not one. <laughs> I was going to ask you, Dee, another thing that I thought was really very interesting was the fact that uh, we're doing this uh, these messages and we're posting them on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. But then I, I read that Russia's now saying that Instagram, Facebook, whatever meta, I think they call it now is uh, enemy and they're shutting down all of those social media outlets. So how are the messages still seeping through if the main out- platforms are shut down? Because they can't shut down every URL and people have ways of sharing. I could email a link to you. I could email, I could text the link to you. Right. They've got to shut down the entire, whatever it is, every microwave tower, every every cable outlet. We can still share things with each other. You know, WhatsApp, there's so many. And it is, there's other ones that we don't even know about that are out there. So that's the, the idea is that, yeah, you can shut down this platform. You can shut down that platform without completely cutting yourself off from the world. And nobody can do that right now. You can't block every URL. Mm. It's got to come through. It's going to come through. It's going to get through. And that's why we keep doing it. Now, you made a great point, too. We we're just talking about how getting people involved is, is so difficult. And you mentioned, and I'll let you explain it. You talked about the difference of the tweet that you sent about World United Live and trying to prevent nuclear war and the tweet that you sent about Dolly Parton turning down her Rock and Roll Hall of Fame nomination. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so up till that tweet, I was I was still trying to be like sort of, hey, I don't want to be all gloom and doom guy. This is an important subject, but every we need to smile and be, you know, have a laugh or just talk normally. It can't all be obsessed on the end of the world. I did two tweets back to back. One was, please share this, spread the word, you know, the instant we need a, a trusted messenger, whatever the message was, but it was capital letters, you know, this is important, please share this amongst you. And then I saw that Dolly Parton turned down the coolest thing in the world, as Dave Raymond said. Yeah, very much so. Most punk rock thing that anybody's ever done. <laughs> Dolly, she, Dolly Parton turns down her inaugurate, uh, in, whatever it is, for the nomination. The nomination. And so I tweeted that. The tweet with the please help is the world is coming to an end was 128 uh, likes and like 10 retweets. The Dolly Parton one was thousands and thousands of likes and retweets and conversation <laughs> and everybody's going back and but Dolly's so cool you know I always like Dolly. I'm like what's going on you know so now I just stopped with all that other stuff and I just I, said, I can't water down the message I got to keep people uh, you know focused because we're still pushing this boulder up the hill mm-hmm. and we're getting close I mean believe it or not the, those those players those major players and undermining uh, totalitarian governments and stuff like that they said we were just a couple of action heroes away from this, from this becoming like out of control. They said you get slice, slice along. You know who the biggest one to get would be, but it's going to be the most impossible. Who? Who's Putin's buddy? Who was he just hanging out with? I know what is. It? I, I just heard it. I know what it is. Yeah, and I'm like, <laughs> yes, I'm like, uh, uh, his name is uh, Steven Seagal. That's it, Seagal. Yeah, they hang. That's right. I was going to mention him before. Yeah, and he's Ukrainian and Russian. Wow. He has passports. He's got a Russian passport. He does karate. With, with Putin, yeah. 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 And if he was to, you figure, you say, you know, it wasn't crazy like this when he was hanging out and palling around. Isn't now the time where he steps up and says, hey, this is where I draw the line. But he has not. And I, I actually had a contact for him. And uh, he came out and he said, what, his words were, we're the same family. Ukraine and Russia are the same family. And I, the subtext to me says that families should be together. He didn't say that. Mm-hmm. But uh, that's all he says is we're the same family. I have Ukrainian relatives and I have Russian relatives, you know, and he just didn't say much more about it. So he's not going to change. He's not going to jump ship and change his allegiance with Putin, which is pretty screwed up, Stephen. I was a big fan of yours, man. Uh-huh. I go way back. Day one, day one fan of yours. And uh, I always have supported you. But, but this is you're a little too crass. At some point, you got to make a stand. And speaking of stand. Nice segue. 
yeah, I have this song called Stand. And a few weeks ago, I released it, uh, a video, and it was actually in concert with the Station Nightclub Fire documentary. And it was dedicated to those people. And, you know, and people say, oh, yeah, you're doing that for the royalties. I haven't gotten money from a record I've put out since the 80s. Since Celine okay. Dion. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, Spotify royalties. They keep rolling in the big checks. So it's, it's nothing to do anymore. You put out, you, you, at this point, if you're making music, it's because you want to, because you love it. It's, it's not, you're getting, not getting rich off of it anymore. But so, and then this happened. I'll shorten the Ukrainian war. And I was thinking about the words and I didn't write the song about war. And it just resonated so intensely with what was going on. And I said, we, I got to recut this. So we just recut a video and it's got all footage of mm, yep. the Ukrainian situation and it will t- rip your heart out. And it's by design. It starts out where you just see this, this, the Russians moving in and you see the destruction and it ends with children. And you see these children and you see this heartbreak and it is deliberately heart-wrenching. But I want something that's going to scar people's minds. This is a serious situation. So we just reissued the video. There's links all over the place, but you can find it at worldunited.live. It's there on the supporter on the supporters page. Check it out and share it because if that doesn't wake people up to the realities, you can pretend you don't see it. You can look away. You can't look away. Yeah. You got to look at this thing and just see that it's this is this is really just I mean destroying their lives is an understatement. You know, I saw a woman, a Ukrainian woman said, you know, we use words like hate and fear, scared. It's, it's, we throw it around like it's nothing. Right. You know, a nightmare. That's another thing. We, oh, it was a nightmare. I couldn't get Channel 57. <laughs> and I wanted to watch Jericho wrestling. It was a nightmare. Uh, we dropped that word like it's nothing. She said, I now know, truly know, what the words fear and the words hate mean. Says, I was never so scared as when the bombs were dropping on my village. And I've never hated someone more than I hate Putin. Yeah. This is perspective on things. We, you know, whatever problems you think you've got, just be grateful you were blessed enough to not be in the middle of that nightmare where you're living your lives. And then one day some guy decides that you're his now. No, and it's interesting to me because in the video for Stan, I just watched it before we got on. It's very riveting, scarring. Um, you won't forget it because it uses actual footage from the news uh, with the song, which is a very powerful song to begin with. It really fits. But the thing to me is like how, and this is not even a question, D, it's more of a rhetorical statement. How do you get people involved? Because like we said, this is real life war. And you mentioned nuclear option quite a few times. And when I went to college for a couple of years, I took public relations and the saying was NIMBY, not in my backyard. If it's not in my backyard, I don't care about it. And it's getting closer and closer to getting into our backyard to where we have to let people know this is not just some war. This is serious shit. Yeah. What's the solution for that? And, and, I, and I don't know. And this is something we've, you know, there's, there's, there is a body small that are people, Americans, who are saying, hey, isolationists, it's not our problem. Right. And they're very vocal. It's not our problem. We take care of the home fires. That's thousands of miles away from us. And, and that's just insanity. It's just insanity with the reach of the weaponry. You know, this isn't World War II where they couldn't actually get to us without, like, like the Japanese did, you know, bringing an armada across the seas yeah. and launching plane <laughs> from within, you know, hundreds of miles of Hawaii. That's the only way they got to the United States. And boy, that's what woke everybody up when they actually hit one of our countries, well, our states, I should say. But it's not like that anymore. It's a button push and it's on its way here. Mm-hmm. Can we intercept them? I hope we've got that that technology. But same time, who, who wants to hope that, 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 that we're going to be able to, to take these things out of the skies or anything like this? You know, so we're still at a point where efforts can be made that could be helpful without without going to war. And it's proving that this stuff is really working. Read the USA Today article. See what's going on. What are they, I keep forgetting what the word they use for, to describe what we're doing. Um, sanctions. 
They are working. Yes. You can starve people out. They can act like it doesn't matter, but it does. Here's the thing that's so interesting to me too, is that is uh, this is the first time that there's been this type of war where you could shut down so much. You mentioned you can, you can shoot a nuclear warhead with a press of the button. You could also shut down, you know, entire economic financial pipelines with the press of a button too, with all the internet, uh, you know, and I love the fact that there's, you know, hackers that are going up against Russia and they're taking away this financial option and that financial option sooner or later, like you said, the oligarchs, the mafia, which is huge in Russia is going to go this. They're taking away all our money get rid of Putin. I think that's what's going to happen here. I'm going to tell you something that was told to me, and I won't tell you who told me. And you can say, well, this is bullshit to you or whatever. But I know a guy. No, I know a guy who is partners with a Russian oligarch. And I can say who, but it's, it's you know, big business guy, whatever. And so he said, told me, he said to him, why don't you guys take him out? Why don't you put together a billion dollar yeah. price tag on this guy's head and take him out? And his response was, you don't think we haven't tried. Hmm. He himself, this oligarch, had to pay $150 million to Putin to get, to get out of the country wow. without being killed in intact, in you know, with his uh, fortune. So he paid us a, a fee, but he said, we are tr- have been trying. He is so insulated. He says he makes, uh, you know, he, he just the body doubles, the whole thing. He is so paranoid, so protected, so insulated. He says, we can't get to him. And he says, and if somebody does, they should give that guy $10 billion because it is, a, right now, it's a virtual impossibility. It's, it can't get to him. You know, another thing, too, I was going to point out as we, as we start to wind down is it's interesting to me, too, how the news, you mentioned how people don't really trust the media. They'd rather trust the, the trusted messengers like, like, like you and I. It's so funny because first it was the last dregs of COVID, last dregs of COVID. And then it switched to the truckers that are taking the stand in Canada. All you saw on the news was trucker, 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 trucker. And then when this war started with Ukraine and Russia, that's why I don't even know. It's like watching a movie or a TV show. Like what happened to the truckers? How did that end up? Like you don't even know. They don't even mention any of it. It just goes from one to the next to the next. And it's like, no wonder people don't trust the media. It's ridiculous. I, I know. Yeah, like, like, did that, like, did that end? Yeah. So, I mean, what, what's the end of the movie? What happened? Well, now they've moved on. It was, you know, you, you've heard the term slow news day. And I've been, you know, I've been the uh, recipient of a slow news day when something I did suddenly, you know, was, was like everybody was talking about in the news. And then like, what? why me? Because all nothing really happened today. And then move on to something else. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, it's amazing. Uh, how focus shifts like that. You know, I, I've thought about this, why people have more faith in rock stars. And I say rock stars, I don't know if, this, if, it, if it holds the same for wrestlers or if it holds the same for actors. I think maybe it does. I think it does. It does. I, I No, and that is we wear our hearts on our sleeve. We are very forthright about our our failings, you know, and we sing about them. We, our actors, show them in the parts they play, and 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 they're very open about the issues they deal with. And I think because we're, we're much more open, I mean, people say you should run for office. I say, a never happening. I've been close to those guys; they stink. Yeah. But same time, I, is the one thing we have to worry about is skeletons in my closet because they're all out there. <laughs> he used to wear women's clothing. Yeah, he wants to see some photos. They're in my wallet. <laughs> it's like, what are you going to say? What are you going to say about D. Snyder? What exposure are you going to give D. Snyder that he hasn't already done to himself? But it's just that we're more open with our fans by our nature than politicians will ever be. And the media will ever be. The media, you know, they're, they're agenda driven, and but they don't want you to know. They're not open about it. I mean, some of them are very open about it, but a lot of them try to be a little subtle about their agenda, but they got agendas and they color their news the way they want it to be seen. We entertainers are open and honest. And I believe that's why we are trusted messengers because we didn't lie to him about wearing women's underwear. So, uh, you know, I guess he's not going to lie to me about Putin. <laughs> yes, I have worn women's underwear. All right. But you've always had that relationship with your fans. And, and I think I have the same, like, you know, I remember when we talked about this prior, when, when you used to swear a lot in the eighties, when Twisted Sister was at their peak at your peak, and no one really swore on stage. But you say, no, I'm just talking to the crowd like I'm talking to my friends. 
And you've always had that kind of relationship. And like I said, I think I've, I've done the same where there's no rock star, big head, you know, superstar bullshit. We're just two guys that happen to have cool jobs that appreciate the fact that people enjoy our work. And I think that goes a long way. So when we say something like I, I don't do anything for money, I don't take any gig that I, that I don't want to do. And people know that now. And I think they appreciate that and, and will follow me because of that. And I, I think it's the same with you. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's interesting about the uh, profanity. Yeah. So why should I talk differently on stage than I talk to people on the streets? I mean, you know, I came from a time when people would say that rock bands would say, thank you, ladies and gentlemen, like ladies and gentlemen, what are, the, what, are we looking at the same crowd? I mean, but, but they were saying those words out loud. I'm like, oh, you Tony Bennett? So, I mean, we came out of the bars and I spoke the way I spoke and it, he got me arrested in a lot of trouble and whatever, because people weren't that, you know, most people weren't speaking like that over a gigantic PA system. Right. Yeah. It is that honesty and it is that straightforwardness. And, and again, until here we are, you know, in search of trusted messengers, hoping to get to that point where it starts, the boulder starts to roll down the hill. And, and with any luck, it becomes cool. Right. And the Justin Bieber's want to make a message. And that, I should Gee, don't say that. Justin, I would really love if you made a message. You've got like 40 million followers. And I know there are a bunch of them all over the world. So, dude, uh, no shame in my game, man. We welcome you to this party. But I but I just wish it didn't have to be the cool thing to have people pay attention to it. Last thing for you, what's kind of the, the next step for World United Live? I know you had a, a list of things that you wanted to kind of accomplish and do events that you want to have and that sort of thing. Well, the second step in this is once we got enough people paying attention is to start a worldwide protest. And interestingly, Zelensky spoke about how he wants, he needs worldwide protests. So we're just trying to, to join his effort and spread that word and get to that point where we can trigger, but they need to be in Russia as well. The Russians are getting arrested. They're getting beaten. They're getting, you know, put in prison. For protesting, but there's still ways they can. You know, there are or clapping protests. You know what that is? Like they used to do during COVID. No. Go to a window at a certain time, open the window and applaud. And get enough people doing that. As silly as that sounds, it gets noticed. Go shopping. Everybody go to this place shopping. Mm. No signs, no words, no protests. But when an inordinate amount of people show up and overflow an area. People know why they're there. And so, you know, so we're trying to figure out ways to help the Russian people to speak up when they're being oppressed. They are being oppressed, too. He's not just oppressing the Russian, the Ukrainians. He is oppressing his own people. So we're trying to help them in that way. And the third prong on the thing, when all said and done and this war is ended, Ukraine is going to need to be rebuilt. And it's going to take a lot of money and a lot of work. And we want to stage a huge live aid type event mm. in Berlin and get every artist that it's just, you know, do a concert event like that. And where money it's live streamed and money comes in and it goes directly to the Ukrainian people to help them get their lives back together. Because when it's just all finished, they got to pick up those pieces. And we've seen it before. It's like starting all over, all over. Well, D, like I said, man, uh, this has been amazing chatting with you, talking about this. And it's one of those things I was really excited because I don't think people expect D. Snyder and Chris Jericho to come on and talk about Russia and the Ukraine for an hour. But it means something to both of us. And it's something that I think we can really make a difference in. And I really appreciate that. And if you didn't turn this off <laughs> and you're here right now at this moment, thank you for that. Thank you for recognizing the passion that Chris and I have. Yeah, we've got history. We've got family. We know that part of the world. And you just just imagine if it was wherever your family's from, Italy or, or you know, or France or whatever. Imagine if some country decided they were just going to take over now and they were just going to come in and start taking everything you had and taking your lives away and taking your livelihood away. Imagine how you feel. It's, it's a nightmare. And that is the word that that is a nightmare. Yeah. Don't you, if you want to use the word nightmare, say it's a nightmare in the Ukraine right now. Thank you, D. Thank you, Chris. Really appreciate you and, and, and your help and, and everybody who listened to this show. Thank you very much. And if you want to join in, yeah, there's places you can donate. By the way, it's not our website. 
We just have links where you can donate money. We're not looking for money, but we'd love you to join worldunited.live. Get on the, our mailing list or whatever and see, hey, how can I help? What can I do? Spread the word and just blow up those celebrities. Okay, blow up those celebrities. Just put down your phone. Stop doing cameos for two seconds and send a damn message to the Russian people. <laughs> Thanks, dude. All right, brother. Thank you.